0: So, we're just going to pray for Dean as he prepares to lead us. So, God, we just ask you to just to bless Dean's heart. And he's just such a servant for you, God, that we just ask you to speak through him. And that for us, that we can just keep those distractions aside, open up our hearts and minds, be prepared for what Dean's going to speak to us, God. And just give us some peace, understanding, and just bless us all today as we carry on with our summer teaching series. So God, just please bless Dean right now. Help him to deliver his message. And we just know that we're going to hear you through his words. Thank you, God. Amen.
1: Thanks. Good morning. We're going to talk about greed. Yay! Yay. I'm going to start with a nice picture. (laughs) So, there's a pictorial representation of my sermon. The guy on the left, is uh, he seems rather well-fed. Big guy, he's got lots of stuff and he wants more. He keeps shoveling it into his mouth. Contrast that with the other guy at the table there who is very small and very thin and has very little. Keep that in mind through the rest of the sermon. Here's a quote from a philosopher. Uh, Greed is a bottomless pit, which exhausts the person in an endless effort to satisfy the need without ever reaching satisfaction. So greed is never full. Greed is um, never satisfied. And if we try to satisfy greed, we will just end up feeling empty forever. Let's have a few definitions. This, This stand... See, I'm a carpenter, and this stand is um, it's bent. And the fact that it's standing in front of me and that it's bent really irritates me. Because it's not level, and I want to fix it. So greed is um, an excessive desire, especially for wealth or possessions. So it's not selfishness. When I, first, when I think of greed, greed is often used in our society as the same as selfishness but it's not really. It's focusing more on the wealth and uh, possession bit. of. Selfishness is kind of behind greed. A very similar word that you'll see, kind of an older word that's not used much these days, is avarice. And it's basically the same. Um, A greed for riches, a desire to gain and hoard wealth. Another similar word, which you'll find in Scripture, is covetousness so innately or wrongly desirous of wealth or possessions or greedy so all of this they're all about wanting more things wanting more wealth that's what we're talking about this morning let's look at some scripture so the 10 commandments or the 10 words in hebrew exodus 20:17 you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So I don't know what this means to you. This is what it means to me. I work as a carpenter, and I work for some people that have a lot of money. Um, one guy in particular, he's a cyclist, as I am. I've I ride and i used to race so it's quite a passion of mine to cycle um he recently got a new mountain bike this mountain bike in fact and it's a nice bike i mean it's like it's got front and rear suspension it's nice for those bumpy trails this carbon fiber frame it's light it's got hydraulic disc brakes you know you can stop with one finger it's nice and um i have a mountain bike too mine uh Twenty years ago, mine was not bad <laughs> now it's it's getting old it's, and it's it's really not as nice as this so when he, he's, he he bought it and he was showing me it, and i'm like, yeah that's really nice <laughs> I'm trying not to covet, but I wouldn't mind riding that thing so i don't know i don't know what it is for you that's one of the things that i i don't know what you see that your neighbor has that you want but There's plenty of things that we like to have. Greed is good. Okay, so that's not really true. But there are reasons that we are greedy, and there's things we get out of being greedy, and that's why we do it. So let's look at a few of them. Nope. (laughs) The bike is still there. (laughs) That was an accident, really. so we were made for the garden. We were made to be in the Garden of Eden. We were made to have our, our needs fulfilled. We were made to be in a beautiful place, a place that's really comfortable. And we spend a lot of our lives trying to recapture that in, in, in how we live and trying to make our lives comfortable. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just when that becomes an idol that it's a problem. We get a sense of security from things and from wealth. Um, there is a security in having money in the bank, I'm told. I, don't, I haven't experienced that. But I can imagine that having enough money for a few months' rent would, be, would make me feel comfortable. And it helps us feel in control of our lives particularly money. Money is such a useful thing for getting what we want and manipulating people and things like that. That's good to have, right? And all of us has a need inside to be closer to God than we are, Um, a need that never really will be fulfilled until we are in heaven. So it's it's easy for us to hide that and to uh, kind of gloss it over by distracting ourselves with things. or I mean, you know, there's a thrill when you get something new that's kind of nice that lets you forget about your own neediness. So there's good things about greed. Ah, yes. We also feel empty because our society is not really all that awesome about relationships. This is a great quote, apparently something of a famous quote, is from a movie called Wall Street, which I've never seen. But I'll read you the quote. Greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies. It cuts through. It captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms, greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. And greed you mark my words, will not only save Tildar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Interesting. I think there's a difference between ambition and greed. And he's saying here that greed basically is what has made um, Western society what it is. In a good sense, like the, the you know, we live longer, we're healthier, there's a lot of good things. But I don't think it's that simple. One thing that he does mention here is he talks about the evolutionary spirit. So let's look at that. Um, I have a bachelor's science degree in, uh, in life sciences, and it is a given when you study life sciences that evolution is true. I'm not really going to debate that, but... Um, to remind you, the theory of evolution, the kind of the main thing is that you have an organism that is responding to its environment better than the ones around it in some way. And because it's doing it better, it's successful. So it tends to live, and the other ones die. And then those character traits are carried on to the next generation. So in that way, over generations, organisms... Better adapt to their environment. Okay, and you can see that greed is very similar to that. This idea where, um, if uh, if I just do what's best for myself, that's ultimately going to be what's best for everyone. But there's problems with that idea, as this guy knows. This is a cute little prairie dog. Isn't he cute? He's going to die. If you know anything about prairie dogs, which you probably don't, they live in large groups, like really large groups, pretty amazing. But they also have sentries. So they have people like prairie dogs. Some of them are actually on guard. and, And their job is to warn of impending danger so that the other ones can hide and they don't get killed. So that's hard thing for evolution to explain because you have this guy here who's doing his job and by doing his job he's far more likely to get killed which means that that genetic trait won't get carried on to the next generation so why does this behavior even exist so what's best for the individual is not always what's best for the group and I'm sure you can think of examples where um, people are giving of themselves and it benefits the whole group as opposed to just living for yourself or being greedy. Materialism. I don't know if you've noticed, our culture is extremely materialistic and uh, advertising, as a, advertising really... Um, Strengthens that. Let's look at a de- some definitions or some traits of materialism: excessive desire to acquire and consume material goods. Um, we're, we rent, we rent our house, and it's been sold, and we so which means in the next eight months or so we're going to have to move, and um, which kind of sucks. But it particularly sucks because we've been living there quite a long time. And it's a fairly large house, five bedrooms. And during that time, two of our children have left home. So we had two empty rooms. And guess what? They're not empty. <laughs> we have so much stuff. Like, you don't even have to try to accumulate stuff in our society. If you're not throwing it out, you're going to accumulate. It's, it's just amazing to me. And if you're too busy, like I am, and you don't throw out stuff enough, then you end up with This huge amount of stuff. So my wife's task for the summer is to throw out stuff. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be donating. (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Your social status is determined by your affluence. Yep, that's certainly true Um, in our society for most people. If you have stuff then people look at you differently. This is a great lie. Happiness can be increased through buying, spending, and accumulating material wealth. Are rich people happy? No, not really. I mean, they could be, but it's not... Greed is never satisfied. Um, if you're... They're looking in the wrong place for satisfaction. They're looking in things, and they're looking... In wealth, so in some ways, if you're poor and you're lacking in material things, you kind of have to turn to God, and that's ultimately going to be more satisfying. And you, have, and the other thing is, you, if you don't have stuff, you don't have to worry about your stuff. I mean, I the, the people I work for, they have, you know, they have their house in Vancouver and their house, their condo in Whistler and their summer place up in Savory. And just think of, like, the headaches that go with maintaining all that. And because I rent, I don't have to worry about any of that. Easy. And, of course, advertising, so much advertising tells us if if we get this stuff, we'll, be, we'll feel better, we'll be happy, which is just not true. Let's see what Jesus has to say in Luke twelve thirteen. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. So things are temporary. Well, all of this is temporary, but things and wealth are temporary and fleeting. I mean, just think of the floods in Calgary, and you think of people who have worked their entire life for for their house and their possessions and just in an instant, it's all gone. And we place so much value on things that ultimately are of no value. Thomas Aquinas says, Greed is a sin against God, just as all mortal sins, inasmuch as man condemns things eternal for the sake of temporal things. So greed really is an idolatry because we're putting things... Or wealth higher than God um, so in this way you can be greedy even though you might not have stuff I mean I think I'm pretty focused on work and, and working enough to have enough money to pay the bills really but it's very easy for me to let that be an idol I don't know if it'd be greed exactly but it's, it can definitely be an idol working and, and getting money especially when it's, it ends up being more important than relationships. So greed is bad. It is not good. To clarify, greed tends to destroy relationships. If I want your stuff, I'm probably not going to be a very good friend to you. Ultimately, we end up viewing people as a means to get what we want. And in, in our society, we all do this, and we do it inadvertently, because if you go shopping, you're usually going to try to find what's cheapest. And often what's cheapest was made by someone who is basically in slavery. And it's extremely hard in our society to buy stuff that's not been made off of someone else's suffering. And that's just a fact. And it's not necessarily even cheap things. Some very expensive things are made in slavery conditions. So we're all guilty of this. As I mentioned, grief is idolatry. When I was looking at pictures of Mahatma Gandhi, I never noticed that he actually has a very large nose. <laughs> and most of the pictures really emphasize that. He's still a really wise guy. Lots of wisdom, but he's got a big nose. Here's a quote from him. There's a sufficiency in the world for man's need, but not for man's greed. So there is enough material things in the world for everyone's needs, to meet everyone's needs, which is true. Even with the population as large as it is, there's enough. People don't have to go hungry. There's enough for everyone. But there is not enough to satisfy everyone's greed. So in in our greed, we are bringing suffering on other people. So what do we do? Well, the opposite of greed is generosity. So instead of taking and holding on to things, we give them away. Which sounds easy, but it's hard to do. Let's look at a few more one way to avoid greed is voluntary poverty. That is to renounce all, all of your material possessions and all your wealth and just live poor. And people, not, not a very popular option. I don't know anyone who does this voluntarily. Um, historically in the church it was more popular and there was, um, you know, the Desert Fathers and such that lived in, in poverty of course, this is no guarantee that you won't be greedy. Just because you don't have stuff doesn't mean you don't want stuff. So a lot of people who are in poverty are actually just as greedy as people that have stuff. So what else can we do? Well, maybe we should look at things differently. Things are not possessions. If you, The Bible talks about us being stewards of creation, so stewards of the stuff we have which means we don't actually own anything. We just take care of it for God. We take. So it's a completely different way of looking at things. My possessions don't define me. I, I am just a steward of the things God has given me. And how do you define success? Um, I mean, is success really having all this stuff and having all this wealth and having... Um, the house, the car—I mean, really, when you die, what's going to happen to it anyway? It's it, none of it lasts. So relationships are far more important, or the whole—the whole idea that we are bringing God's kingdom to earth. So, within the people that I touch every day, the people that I know, I am bringing God's kingdom into that world, and each of you are into. Whatever world you're a part of, and well, how well you do that, how authentic you are in doing that, is really what success is. Uh, Luke sixteen nine. This is an awesome quote. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself, so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So this doesn't mean that you're buying your friends, right? It just means that you're being generous with your stuff. It means you're giving away and you're blessing other people and you're trying to do further God's kingdom with the stuff that he gives you, however that looks in your life. I'm I'm on stewardship, and you know giving's been down, so so I think you should tithe more. But really, um, tithing is not. It's not about the church's need, tithing or the idea of giving one tenth of your income to the church, is not is is for you. It's for us. It's it's meant. The point of tithing is meant to loosen our. Our um, our grip on our on our money it's meant to be good for us so that we can be more generous and not be greedy with our wealth another thing you could try doing is just living on less or live on the same instead of living and expecting to you know have a raise and have more money just try living on the same don't buy new things unless you really really need them one thing i read they suggested just fasting off media like no tv no radio because (laughs) you don't you won't see nearly as many advertisements and i mean advertisements are clever they're designed to make you feel like you need something they're designed to make you feel um, like you don't have enough you know what I really hate about having my my new my fancy new phone is whenever you put a free app on it, you get ads on it. So that's great. Now there's more ads in my life. Give away stuff. Help one another. I'm not very good at this. I'd like to be, but I. Honestly, most of the time I'm so busy working or just trying to deal with my own stuff that I'm not very good at really giving too much to other people. I'm sorry. You can pray for me. Um, There's this kind of movement in, in the U.S. who has redefined success as a simple life well lived so it's it's really uh counteracting the whole idea of materialism and just the idea that you can live simply you can live it's this is particularly hard if you're living in a city and you have all these you know cultural opportunities and there's always something going on and it's so exciting and and often we who live in cities see small towns as kind of backward and you know People are simple. or, But the idea of success is that you can live a life like that. You can live a life that's simple and live it well. Like, live it with integrity. And that is a very successful life. There's nothing wrong with that. And while it is nice and comfortable to not feel need, it is actually good for us To be aware of our own need and to be aware that we need God and not be overfed and fat and have all our comforts. Avoid temptation. So what tempts you to be greedy? Um, It's different for everyone. I, um, I like music quite a bit. I like listening to music. And for me, the enjoyment of music is largely about how it sounds. And if it doesn't sound good, I hate it. It irritates me. So that means I also like stereo equipment, things like that. So that's definitely something that I can be greedy about. So um, a while back, I heard there's a high-end stereo store in Vancouver, and they were having like a... A speaker manufacturer was coming in and doing like live demos of some very expensive loudspeakers, and I thought, wow, that would be so cool just to listen, just to see how good it could sound. And then I thought, that's just really dumb because there's no way, no way can I ever afford these, for one, and no way could I justify it. It would not be a good steward if I spent $10,000 on a pair of speakers. It just really wouldn't be, much as I might enjoy it. So I didn't go. And that's actually a really easy way to avoid a temptation. Because going there would just make me discontent with everything I have. So I don't know what it is for you. It might be, I mean, shopping malls, holy, they are like idolatry. Like if you, <laughs> particularly focused that women, but they're, uh, yeah. Don't go to the mall. Just don't do it unless you need something and then have write it down, make a list. I'm getting this and only look for this because it, can it ever build want in you and make you discontent with what you have? Here's a few Proverbs. Proverbs 11.24, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, becomes poverty. to this idea that if we give, um, we get. And that's not why we give, but if we hold on to stuff, we actually end up poorer. I was just thinking of... um, I forgot what I was just thinking of. That Christmas story with uh, Scrooge, Christmas Carol, who... what was Ebenezer Scrooge says name yes i mean very rich in terms of money but very poor in terms of relationship and in the end he realizes that he, how poor he really is and and becomes generous <laughs> Uh, Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And one more. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessings on the one who is willing to sell. Excellent. Um, So just be content. (laughs) No problem, right? (laughs) Just be content with what you have, because it's almost certainly enough. Um, Maybe not for all of us, but for most of us, we're doing okay. Like, I was sitting there, after I finished my sermon last night, I was sitting on the couch. You know, I had a piece of pie, I had a beer. I was beside my lovely wife, watching TV, and I thought, you know, this isn't that bad. Like, really. (laughs) Why would I, I don't need to be discontent with this. Could it be better? Well, yeah, of course, it can always be better, but it's really not that bad. So I told that to her, and and then she reminded us, me, though, we have to move soon, and kind of ruined my happy moment. <laughs> anyway, comparing downward is uh, one way to feel more content. Um, I'm not not in a, like, look what I have kind of way, but... It's more like, oh my gosh, you have so little here. How can I help you? And so instead of looking at your neighbor that has the stuff you want, look at your someone who can't afford to live in your neighborhood, maybe who doesn't have the stuff or who is hardly surviving. Um, you know, one of the I, I help out at Chili Wagon every week, and really one of the biggest one of the biggest things for me. I've been doing it a long time, has just been the realization that we're all people. And really what divides us is very, very little, whether we have or we don't have. And we're all people. We all have the same needs. Some people there have different addictions than I do. I mean, I have my own addictions. Don't take away my coffee. It's not a destructive addiction like um, drugs are for many people, but... We're all people. I don't know what my point was, but we're all... Um, just because we have stuff doesn't make us any better or any different. And really, one of the main reasons why it's good to feel need is just so that it draws us to God. Or it can, as long as we turn, into, turn to God. So let God into your greed. If you want something really badly... Talk to God about it and talk to him why you need it. And you might realize you don't need it. Adopting an attitude of stewardship its not our stuff. We're just stewards of it. Look at that. See, we're still going to be early even though we're running late. A um, couple questions. A couple things to think about in what ways does greed control you? So what, this might be very specific, like specific things. I know there's times where I obsess about specific things that I want or need or, and it, just be aware of that. Is there something in your life like that? Is there something, if there's something that's that really defines you and it's a thing, maybe you should give that away. Because that's not really what things are supposed to do. Easy to say, hard to do. Um, and yeah, what does God want you to do in response to this, to, to all this, what I've been talking about to greed? I mean, really, it's about freedom. We want to be free, or we're, we're called to freedom, and lusting after things or wealth, is it's all an idolatry, and it... it it ties us up and it keeps us from being fully human because we almost get reduced to a machine where we're just consuming. So, yeah. I'm just going to pray for us. So, Lord, thank you. I thank you for that you have called us to freedom and I thank you that you are very aware of our brokenness and you're very aware of our, our sins and our wrong desires and in the midst of all that you still love us and you, um, you desire to be close to us, you desire to be in relationship with us. And I just pray you would help us to see the things that keep us from being close to you and give us the courage to um, to get rid of them and and just to, to place you first. Amen.
0: I just have a couple minutes left um, I just want to take some of the questions that Deans offered to us to think about and um, just uh, leave us with a little bit of time to respond I think Dean said it really well um, when sin first came into the world the thing that the devil came and said to Eve was, essentially, you're missing out. You can't... No, that can't possibly be the case. You're lacking something somehow. You won't really die. Come on. There's And there's still that whisper, I think, in all of humanity that somehow we are missing out. There's that question. If I really give it all up. Or if I really offer everything that I have to God, if I really offer whatever I have, whether that's your three houses that you have to steward or whether it's your, you know, one tiny room, if I really make everything available, what am I going to miss? What am I going to lack? You know? And Dean has really encourage us today to try and identify that discontent, right? What's that place in our lives where we're not content, where we're not believing that we really have God's best, that in every area of our lives, God wants the best for us, that he can and will provide for all of our needs, that If the answer to that need isn't evident right now, that his character is entirely good. And so if that provision isn't being made for us right now, it's because there's something that's happening that we just don't get and that God is entirely good and that his purpose for us is higher than whatever that thing is that we think that we lack. I heard um, a man tell a story once of how he had four sons, and he said he had one little boy who loved his toy cars so much that he would hold his little toy cars in his hands like this everywhere he went. And he would say to his son, David, do you want a cookie? And David would say, yes, Daddy. And he would say, okay, I'm going to give you a cookie. And David would be standing there with his little hands wrapped around his little car's okay, Dad, yep, want a cookie. And he would say, you have to put your car down now if you want your cookie. And David would be like, uh. And John said he had to literally undo David's hands from around his little car and put down his little car so he could give him a cookie. And then David would be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I really did want that cookie. That's awesome. Thanks for helping me let go of that thing. And I remember John saying, you know, Sometimes that's what God needs to do for us. Sometimes we can even be standing there saying, I do, I want your best. God, I want your best. I want your very best, whatever that is for me, even if I don't understand it, even if it doesn't look like your best to me, even if I don't get it, I want it. I want your best. And then he says, okay, we'll open your hands. We're like, I'm really hanging on to this job or this idea or this degree or this relationship this thing. I have had the huge privilege of watching people believe God for incredible things, items, missions, amounts of money and seeing the joy that comes with ridiculous generosity. It's like nothing else. So what I want to encourage you as we finish today is that the heart of God is for you to be ridiculously, wildly generous with God's best for you. But we have to figure out what, that, what those tiny toy cars are in our hands. So let's just um, be quiet together for a minute. Um, let's remember what God's been doing us in a church collectively as far as encouraging us to give gifts to each other. So if you have a word for somebody else or a word you think that could be for somebody, please feel free to come and share it. But let's just ask God to show us if there's anything else to say to us today.